You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to look back at 2019 for the Winnipeg Jets, the year that was, some of the highs, some of the lows. We'll take a look at the last few games as well. We're going to talk about the World Juniors, and we're going to look ahead to what's coming for the Winnipeg Jets in 2020. Man, it feels good to be back. Kyle, how was your Christmas? Yeah, it's been a long, long time since we've uh, podcasted. I know some fans getting a little bit anxious about us, but don't worry, we're here. Uh, just taking a few weeks uh, with the holiday season. Christmas was wonderful. Uh, tons of food, tons of family, tons of fun. Uh, it was just a great time all around. Yeah, I know. I saw you quite a bit over the Christmas break, and so we know how each other's Christmas was. But uh, for our listeners, uh, did you get any Jet stuff for Christmas? You know, this is actually the first year in many years where I don't think I actually got anything Jets related. I don't think I did either, actually. Um, looking at all the stuff I got, I got Bombers gear, and you actually gave me the Bombers championship hat, but uh, my son got a lot of Jets stuff from Jets pajamas, a Jets jersey and a hoodie and socks, but as far as I go, I don't think I got anything uh, Jets related either, unless you count some hockey cards that we opened in... Uh, the Jets packs. I guess I did get one Jets hockey card uh, for from you, but other than that, uh, not a lot of Jets stuff going on. But the Jets, they had, didn't really get as much of a break, and so the stuff got busy from work for me and with the Christmas holidays. We've taken a break. The Jets haven't really. They played on the 23rd right before Christmas, and then they played right away after on the 27th, just a couple of days to get home with family. And the Jets kind of struggled before and after uh, did you hear that question that was asked to Blake Wheeler where they basically asked him, is the Christmas break a factor at all for you with young kids and so much stuff going on? And did you hear his response? He's like, I kind of take that as an insult to think that I would be not focused at all with kids and other stuff going on. Did you hear that clip? I, I missed the clip, but I, I totally understand what he's saying. I mean, it, it's a fine line. Um, for these guys as well, because a lot of these players have families. Christmas is a busier time of year for most people. It would be tough not to get caught up in some of the other things. But that being said, these guys are professional hockey players. This is what they do in and out every day. It's their job. So, I mean, I totally understand his response as well. Yeah, no, and I understand both sides of it. But you take a look at the lineup for the Winnipeg Jets here over the last couple of games. Wheeler in the middle, and it looks like that's going to be here to stay for at least the next little while. Uh, he's been there since Brian Little's been out with injury, and we have really no clear timetable on his return. And you take a look at that with him being out, and especially with the head injury. I kind of like the way it is. Even when he does come back, are you moving Wheeler out of center? No, I think you have to keep him there. Uh, realistically, the top six has been pretty strong since Little's uh, been out. I think you add Little into the bottom six. Uh, I know in recent years when Little has been bumped off after the trade deadline in the last two seasons, he's moved down to play with Adam Lowry on the wing, actually. Uh, we couldn't really see an, uh, a third line of Cop, Lowry, Little, kind of an all-center line, if you will, with Cop and Little being natural centers as well. I think that would be a really intriguing option for Winnipeg. 
for their depth, and it would really help their bottom six to get those three on a line together. Yeah, they need a lot of help in the depth. According to Daily Faceoff, the top line is the number 11th ranked top line in the league. That's pretty good. I think the Jets will take that. The second line of Wheeler, Rozovic, and Ehlers is ranked number 21, so obviously you'd want that a little bit higher. But then the third line right now of Lowry, Perot, and Bork, I don't just know, don't know if they haven't had enough time together, they haven't really clicked. The number 28 rated line, and then the fourth line of Shore, Appleton, and Harkins, 17. And so obviously uh, those lines have had some adjustments and a lot of tweaks here over the last little while, but they could definitely use a little bit of help in that bottom six. And so guys like Andrew Kopp, Brian Little, definitely be nice to have those guys back from injury. I think we've kind of moved on for the most part from Latestu. He's on long-term IR. And then the defense with Bufflin, Beaulieu, and Kulikov out, it's looking pretty thin as well. Yeah, I mean, the defense has been thin since the start of the year, and once you get a few injuries like this, it gets even worse. Uh, it's going to be somebody called up from the manor to the moose. Uh, likely the person will be called up um, before you listen to this podcast, but as of the time of, of saying this, we don't actually know who it's going to be. Likely Sammy Niku coming up, but we'll see if he actually gets into a game or if Dahlstrom's going to be the guy kind of rolling for the next few weeks. When you look over the last couple of games against the Canadians, two against the Blues, one against Colorado, what are your thoughts and takeaways from this last stretch? I mean, it was a really poor stretch. If you go back to kind of that, that homestand before Christmas, and it was uh, against the Blackhawks, um, it was against uh, the Hurricanes. They went on one game out to Minnesota. Um, it really wasn't that strong at all. And, and the Jets were 1-4-1 one, and one in their last six before they beat Colorado. Uh, so it was a bunch of losses in a row, uh, a, a few losses at home in a row, and then that home-and-home home series against the Blues losing both games. Uh, a lot of the times, um, the Jets just got um, beat basically by taking too many penalties. Their penalty kill is absolutely horrid, and every time they're in the box, uh, they were getting scored on. So it was a bad penalty kill. It was uh, Hellebuck with a, a few shaky performances, letting in a few not-so-nice goals uh, against the Blues in that first game. It was just a little bit of everything is kind of what killed the Jets in each individual game. It wasn't maybe the same thing each time, but just something different causing them to lose. The Jets haven't won two in a row since December 8th and 10th. Just kind of looking up the stats right now. So it's been a while since they've won two in a row. They lost to the Red Wings. They beat the Flyers. Then they lost to the Hurricanes and Blackhawks. They beat the Wild. Lost to the Canadians. Blues, Blues. Beat the Avalanche. So hopefully they can kind of string together a few wins as we head into 2020. Or I guess the year's here. But as the Jets play their first game of the new year tonight uh, against the Leafs. Uh, And so for the Jets, you look at the offense. uh, That's obviously been strong for them this year. We talked about defense, how it's been kind of a weakness with those guys on the back end. When you look back at 2019, has there been any surprises for you or anything that kind of stands out from this last year? Well, it's just interesting seeing um, essentially the rise and fall, specifically of the Jets' uh, defense in the last 12 months. If you remember back to January of of 2019 last year, uh, the Jets were rolling with Bufflin, Truba, Myers um, on their right side. Uh, Now they have literally zero of those players. Um, so just the, the, the massive turnover um, in the defense, specifically on that right side with none of those guys in the lineup, uh, and, and then Sherratt leaving as well, leaving pretty much Josh Morrissey as your only returning player. It, to me, that's the biggest um, takeaway from 2019 is just the, the rise and the fall 
of that defense. The forwards mean remain largely the same, uh, pretty much the exact same top six as previous years. Um, but for me, 2019 was kind of that interesting year of transition from um, an up-and-coming team to trying to become a perennial contender, and I'm not sure if we've seen that yet from the team. No, I don't think we've quite seen that yet because when you look at the club last year at this time, they were still riding high, and it was kind of around this time after Christmas that the Jets play kind of started to tail off heading into the playoffs, and then they got bounced in the first round by the eventual champs, the St. Louis Blues, and there was that long slump of Patrick Laine to start the year, and people were questioning a lot of different things. A lot of the casual fans were saying, well, the Jets are still first. A lot of the more intense fans were getting really worried with some of the underlying numbers, and then we saw it just kind of drop off and then eventually get bounced in the first round. We saw all the turnover in the offseason, and then the Jets really went from last year at this time being a contender being one of the top teams in the league, to this year, are they even going to make the playoffs? They're a bubble team once again, kind of on the fringe. And I feel at the first part of this season, the Jets have kind of exceeded people's expectations in a playoff spot right now, but I think they need to not let up. They need a really strong push here at the start of 2020 if they want to get in the playoffs and be solidly in a playoff spot by the time that rolls around. And so when you look at this, we've kind of talked a lot about the guys up front. How about goaltending? And this kind of segues maybe into our next segment, or we can make it all of this first segment. But Connor Hellebuck, talk a little bit about the year he's had. And it's kind of, there's a lot of different opinions on this. I was talking to somebody over the Christmas break, uh, how they were saying how they weren't a fan of Connor Hellebuck. They didn't really like his play. They felt that he gave up too many goals in a lot of games, and he's been one of the reasons why the, the Jets were losing a bunch of these games. I kind of disagreed with them. We got into a little bit of an, uh, dis- a healthy debate. I was a pro Connor Hellebuck. I said his save percentage is up. He's got one of the best numbers in the league this year. He's the reason they're winning a lot of games because they've got really poor defense. He's looked really good. And then it was just literally the day after I had this conversation with somebody that Hellebuck was named to the All-Star game. So what is, and obviously you can take that sometimes with a grain of salt, All-Star games and stuff, but obviously other people recognizing his strong play. What do you think about him and Ned? Yeah, no, he's been fantastic, um, specifically at the start of the year. Um, well, it, it's interesting because I do understand um, where some people are coming from in the sense that you watch the first games, and if you did watch those first couple of games, you realized Hellebuck wasn't playing very well, and something was just off, and it was that big moment where Brassois got the next start in game, I think, number three of the season uh, that kind of turned Hellebuck's season around, and then he went on an excellent run uh, through the rest of November, early December, uh, really, really strong, but he's tapered off in the last few weeks, Um Specifically, like I mentioned earlier, those uh, two goals he gave up against the St. Louis Blues uh, in that first game. It was, I think, the first shot of the game. Justin Falk just lets go a one-timer from the point. No traffic in front of the net, and it just goes through Hellebuck above his pad, under his glove. A goal that should not really go in. So there are some times where he just kind of leaves you scratching your head thinking, why, how, what's going on? But those are few and far between, and and by and large, Hellebuck's been easily the Jets' best player uh, for most of the season and easily should be an all-star for the season. So, yes, he's been excellent, but there's also a few games where he has looked off, um, which are going to 
come and go here and there. So I wouldn't be worried, but to me, Connor Hellbuck deserves to be an all-star, and I'm glad he's going. Now, this is a question, or this statement was then put forward by this fan. They said, Connor Hellebuck is not going to win the Stanley Cup for a team. They, they said that he's not going to win the Stanley Cup for the Winnipeg Jets. He just isn't good enough, basically, to do it. And I, I disagreed, obviously. I'm not saying this year. I think that he can be a good enough goaltender to get it done. He, he has the ability, he has the pedigree, he's played well at times in stretches. He was a big part of that run when they went to the uh, went to the West Final that year. I think he could do it someday, and I just never want to say never when it comes to a player, especially this early in their career. Yeah, I totally agree, and goaltending is so much, uh, so much luck, especially in the playoffs. Realistically, the team with the best goalie, never actually wins the playoffs. And I mean, sometimes they do, but if you look at the best netminders or what is perceived to be the best goalies in the world, uh, Lundqvist, Carey Price, some of those types of goalies, how many Stanley Cups have they won? Right? Zero. I, I mean, the answer is zero. So what is it? I mean, Pecorine was a, a Vesna candidate, a Vesna winner, not winning a Stanley Cup. All these best goalies aren't the ones who are winning the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, it doesn't matter if you have the best goalie in the world because that's not what gets it done. Exactly. It's who gets it done when it matters, and it's all about the team around them, too. It's such a team game in the sport of hockey. But anyways, we don't want to dwell on that right now. We do want to dwell a little bit before we move on to the next segment about the All-Star game. Uh, Shifley also getting in. Did you like those selections? Hellbuck, you said you already liked Shifley as well, the other from the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, it's tough because every team has to have a representative and most teams can only have one representative, the odd team getting two, maybe three. Um, For me, the Jets are an interesting case because Shifley's the obvious choice leading the team in points. Um, Line A also been having a fantastic year, but for much of the season, Nikolai Ehlers was the Jets' best player as well. For the early part of the season, he was the guy scoring all the goals, getting all the points. He's been... uh, probably the Jets' best winger uh, going forward. But then if you look at goals, Kyle Connor's leading the team in goals. So there's all these sorts of things. How do you decide who's an all-star? For me, Shifley's the the easy way um, to choose. So it it is what it is. You can only have one or two, and you got to make up your mind. Well, Shifley right now leading the team in scoring by six points. Uh, Connor and Line, uh, both six points back of him with 38. And then it's jumped down to Wheeler, who's got 34. And so he's over a point a game. He's your number one center. He's been, it's one of those things that it's not always flashy. And he doesn't have the same kind of speed and razzle-dazzle as you see with Connor and Ehlers and the shot of Line, but He's been getting the job done so consistently that I really I like that choice of Mark Shifley. It's not always necessarily the guy who's come onto the scene and made an impression like Ehlers or that kind of thing, but I think that's probably a good choice as well. And then now the fans have a chance to vote Patrick Laine in to the All-Star game, kind of with that extra uh, dimension being added, the last man in voting. Do you think he's going to get in, Kyle? Have you voted yet? Or I guess the voting opens tomorrow? Very soon, anyway. Mm. I think it's open already. Uh, I have not voted yet. I'm hoping to uh, be able to cast a few votes for line A, but it would be nice to see more than, like I said, more than two Winnipeg Jets get in. But, uh, I mean, it is what it is. If if guys don't get in, it's, it's, you can only have so many guys, right? And you have to have one from each team. Uh, I like the comments from, uh, I think it was Bertuzzi out of Detroit, saying, I know I'm only going to this game because they need a representative from my team. Just recognizing that he's 
actually shouldn't be an all-star, but he has to be just given the nature of uh, the Red Wings organization right now. Um, but just kind of an interesting format the way it works these days. So we'll see if Landon gets in. It'd be nice to see it. Yeah, that's uh, funny. I like that recognition. So voting for the last man in uh, opened yesterday at 11 a.m. our time and will close next Friday, January the 10th. So if you do want to go online and cast your vote for Patrick Laine, make sure to do that uh, before January the 10th. And maybe we'll get another Winnipeg Jet into the All-Star game. So kind of looking back at the year that was for the Winnipeg Jets. We've looked over the last couple of games. Still a few things we want to get to, and one of those being the World Juniors, and that's coming up next. One of my favorite parts every year of the Christmas break is watching World Junior Hockey. I know, Kyle, you're in the same boat as well. It started on Boxing Day, Canada picking up that big win over the States. They then got blown out by Russia. We were actually together watching that game. That was a disappointment. And then they've kind of rattled off a few wins against teams they've been expected to beat. What are your thoughts on Team Canada and just the overall World Junior so far? Yeah, it's always a fun event, like you said. Uh, always enjoy watching it over the Christmas break. It's, all, it's fun, great hockey to see. Um, I think Team Canada, it's been an interesting ride. Um, oftentimes a loss like that can be a good thing. Um, just it gives you a sense of, especially after the uh, Team Canada beat the U.S. in the first game, um, almost the sense of if we can beat the Americans, we're going to have an easy run through the rest of the tournament. And getting that wake-up call in the very next game um, probably served as, as a good reminder that you can't take any game off because, I mean, Russia is a good team, but it can happen against anybody. We saw Russia lose to Czech Republic. We've seen lots of upsets going on. Germany almost getting a couple upsets. So you never know what's going to happen. Uh, so that's probably a good lesson for Canada to learn. Uh, as of this morning, punching their ticket into the semifinals. Uh, a new kind of rule in the, the tournament this year is the reseeding of the teams after the quarterfinal game. So we'll, we're still waiting uh, for who Canada will play in the semis, but it's still going to be fun regardless. Um, as far as Jets prospects go, because at Jets Nation, um, that's kind of what we care about along with Team Canada. Nobody on Team Canada, the only two this year for, for the Jets, um, Billy Hainala and David Gustafson. Funny enough, both of those players, most fans probably know because they were in the Jets lineup earlier this season. Uh, so both of them actually getting loaned. Um, Billy Hainala being sent back to Finland earlier this year. David Gustafson being loaned from the Jets uh, to play in the World Junior Championship. Um, both of them putting up pretty good numbers so far. Uh, David Gustafson was second in the tournament in faceoff percentage. Uh, through the whole uh, round robin. He was operating, I think, at 72% That's on the crazy. face-off. Just an unreal number. Uh, Vili Hainala was also, I think, top three in defenseman scoring. He rattled off four assists in the round robin. So these guys putting up pretty good numbers, which is to be expected because they're both um, almost NHL-ready players. Really good for them to be in this tournament, uh, putting up big numbers uh, for both Sweden and Finland. Now, when you take a look at Canada's roster... I was getting kind of nervous after that blowout loss to Russia. I knew they'd bounce back against Germany and the Czech Republic, but I like the way that they've responded. And I've kind of gone on this rant when talking to people about how much I love the World Juniors. At times, I like it more than the NHL. The speed is there, but there is a different level of excitement and especially intensity in a game against the Americans where it's close. You know that this is has big implications there's that national rivalry. The players don't know each other as well. They're not as buddy-buddy, kind of like how you see NHLers nowadays. They know a lot of the people on the other team. A lot of these kids, especially when you're playing teams like Russia and Slovakia, you don't know a lot of the opposition. 
and you've only maybe played against one or two of these kids before, maybe a little bit here and there on international play. There's a lot more national pride. And the thing about junior hockey is there's more mistakes. And so then sometimes when you get more mistakes, you also get more chances, more odd man rushes. Sometimes you also get more emotion. And emotional players can make big plays. They can also make big mistakes. And you see a little bit more of that in junior hockey than what you do in the NHL. Yet the cal- the skill is still there. You see some great technical plays. That's why I love the world juniors. Would you agree with a lot of that? Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with uh, with that. It-, it is fun to watch because of those things. Y- you never know what's going to happen. Uh, specifically in the U.S. game, um, it- if you watch that third period, Canada taking a late penalty, U.S. scoring, all of a sudden it's a tie game. But what happens seven seconds after that tying goal? Uh, Lafreniere steals the puck, knocks it out of the air, walks in. Seven seconds later, puts Canada back on top. Just things you wouldn't see in an NHL rink you get to see at the World Juniors. And I think that's fun um, fun to watch. My one issue with a lot of people in terms of the World Juniors is people go way overboard forgetting these are 16-, 17-, 18-year-old kids that are away from home they're playing in their first world stage tournament for a lot of them. People get way too caught up in the moment sometimes and, and make it um, a bad experience um, for some of these guys. So for me, stick the hockey to the hockey, keep your negative comments to yourself, and just enjoy watching it every single year. No, I'm 100% with you as far as that goes, and I just cannot wait for the semifinals on the weekend. Looking forward to finding out who Canada is going to be playing. Personally, I like the early games. I was able to watch uh, the game this morning at work, uh, but then now that the games are going to be on the weekend, I'll be able to watch them, uh, and so I really look forward to that this weekend, getting to watch some great hockey, and hopefully Canada can make it to the final. Uh, just kind of looking at the Canadian players, uh, Alexi Lafreniere, I did not expect him coming back into the tournament. Great to see him back in the lineup today. He looked really good on a line with Barrett Hayton. Lots of chemistry when those two were on the ice. Joe Valeno on that second line looking really good as well. Uh, There is some really, I think the top two lines for me have really stood out so far in this tournament. Uh, Anybody that's kind of stood out for you at all? No, I would agree. I think uh, Hofer's come in net and really been a stabilizing presence back there. Uh, Specifically, I I caught the early part of the Slovakia game before I went to work this morning. Uh, made a really good save in the opening few minutes. Uh, Canada killing off a five-minute major um, in the first couple minutes as well. He made some really good saves to keep Canada uh, at a scoreless game uh, in the first few minutes. So I think good on him. Um, if he can just keep going. It's a Winnipeg boy as well, which we love here at the Jets Nation podcast. So just a great thing for him um, playing so well in the tournament. Yeah, and Nolan Foote, uh, given a game misconduct for that illegal hit in the first period, uh, no word, at least, that I've seen about whether or not he's going to be suspended at all. Uh, because it is earlier in the game, I think they do take that into consideration. Basically, he's already missed a game, kind of in a sense, uh, missing most of that one. He was my son's favorite player coming into the game because uh, they have the same first name. But when he's played really well so far in this tournament. Do you think he's going to be suspended at all? I don't think so. I mean, when you watch the hit in, uh, in slow motion, most of the angles show a very clear uh, connection with the, the hip and side of the player. No real head contact at all. The arm makes a little bit of uh, contact with the head, but there's absolutely no movement of the elbow going through that. Um, so I don't think there will be a suspension. It, it was just the essentially the velocity of the hit that made it look way worse 
uh, when you actually look at look at it, slow it down, the hit itself wasn't that bad. But the double IHL uh, really um, leaning towards safety in terms of uh, headshots and hits to the neck and head. A lot of um, two and ten uh, misconducts, a lot of five minute majors just to get that out of the game. So I'm fine with the suspension for the safety of the players. Um, sorry, not the suspension, the uh, the five minute major in game misconduct. But I don't think we'll see a suspension uh, for that play. Yeah, I was starting to wonder when you started to say you were fine with the suspension. But so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that. And hopefully he will be back for the semifinals on Saturday. And so that pretty much does it for today's episode. Uh, we do want to get into one last segment talking about what's coming up here in 2020. So one last segment, Kyle. I know we've kind of talked about this uh, off air, but and some people might have seen us online, but we're starting to play Xbox together. We've got an official Jets Nation team on NHL 20, and I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We've been uh, playing the last couple of weeks together, um, getting a few guys from the Jets Nation team together, uh, playing some some Xbox and taking on some other clubs. It's been fun. So basically how this works, if you have a team that you play on EASHL, uh, we've mainly been playing three-on-three, but watch for us. Our team name is Jets Nation. We've kind of got the Jets colors, uh, so look for us. We'll be playing here over the next couple of weeks quite a bit, I'm sure. Art will hopefully be joining us, uh, playing some games together, and we're actually hopefully going to get some of them posted online and Kyle you're kind of more in charge of this part of the department yeah we'll potentially uh, maybe hook up to uh, Twitch get some streams going on so you can watch Uh, either way it's been a fun little uh, side project for us Uh, we'll see if we can keep it going in the new year yeah hopefully uh, we can keep that going but as far as the Jets are concerned uh, heading into 2020 and as they play their first game tonight uh, what do you predict let's look at the year coming up what do you predict for 2020 for the Winnipeg Jets well, I think they'll be in the playoffs again. I think uh, it'll be close, but I think they should be able to get it done. They should easily be able to get a wild card spot. Um, I think in the number one spot, maybe the number two spot. Either way, it'll set up a pretty tough first round matchup. Um, I, I would like to avoid the Blues in the first round, uh, but you never know what can happen uh, in any playoff series. But I'm predicting playoffs for the Jets, uh, possibly win a round. I don't see the Jets making a big run like we saw in 2018. Okay, so what's your prediction for Dustin Bufflin in 2020? Is he going to get traded? Is he going to get come back? Is he going to retire? What do we see from him in 2020? I think he gets healthy, and I think he returns to the club. I think he's going to play hockey in a Winnipeg Jets uniform this year. Bold prediction. He's got one year left on his contract after this season. And so has it gone through arbitration yet? No, they're still waiting and really have no idea what's going on. There has been a lot of secrecy, a lot of confusion. And so uh, for my predictions, I'm going to say the Jets make the playoffs. Like you said, they're going to win their first round matchup. I'm calling that now. I feel that they're probably going to fall in the second round. When I fill out a bracket in spring, I'm probably going to fill the Jets out as winning the cup because I never want to get caught on the year they actually win the cup and have that prediction wrong. So I think I'll probably be filling that out with the Jets winning uh, to eternity. But uh, I'm predicting the Jets make the playoffs, win the first round, probably bow out in the second. And I'm with you as well. It's boring when we both agree on these kind of things. But I'm going to predict that Dustin Bufflin does make a comeback to the Jets. He does play this year before the end of this season. And I feel that he stays with the Jets heading into next year as well. I don't think they're going to trade him. I think that there wouldn't. I just feel that's probably a hard contract and a hard player to move. I guess... 
if he does come back, goes into beast mode, they could trade him at the end of the season. I just don't think that they would if he is playing, if he is healthy. I think he'd probably just stay going forward into his, the final year of his contract. That pretty much does it for the episode today. Glad to be back after the Christmas break. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Kyle? No, I think we'll be back to a regular schedule, regular schedule going forward. So it should be uh, every week from now on uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, so everything kind of getting thrown off with New Year's Day and Christmas and everything. But we should be going back to Wednesdays, uh, our usual schedule, uh, now that we're into January and into 2020. Should be back to normal and hopefully back to winning for the Winnipeg Jets. That's a lot more fun talking about that than losses. Well, that does it for today's episode. If you want us to talk about anything, if you want to just give us a shout out, maybe you're glad that the podcast is back in the new year. Hit us up on Twitter. We are at Jets and Podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at jetsnation.ca.